I listen to the you banter. Are, grab iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he tuned in for Brad, 30 seconds Brad a week. Turned on and we listened for a minute 13 and was like, eh, don't hurt. Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit do better so together we can be a little better. Well, welcome to A Little Better. So glad to have you here for week number five of eight. Acts of the, not the apostles, although they were involved. Acts of the church. I, I said Acts of the apostles last week. I, mm. Apparently I've been saying Acts of the apostles quite a bit, but it's Acts of the church. And you brought it, brought home week five. Glad to have you back up there. Um, and why don't you give us your sermon in 60? What did we talk about? So we talked about problems in the church and, you know, it's easy to look at the early church and think, man, they had it all together and they did, they did at some level. Um, but even in the midst of all the goodness, there was issues that arose and they had to fix them, adjust them. And so one of the major issues we focused on was Ananias and Sapphira and then the problems with the Jews. And we brought them under one umbrella of just like selfishness, yeah, mm-hmm. too much focus on self and how... As a church, doesn't matter what church it is, there's going to be problems and how we respond to those problems will determine how healthy and how successful our church is. And so we talked about, hey, we got to remind ourselves the church isn't about us. It's never been about us. And how do we get over that natural tendency to make it about us? We ask God for a heart, a humble heart for him and a compassionate heart for others. Mm -hmm. So I often ask, what did you leave on the table? I could just as equally ask uh, Dr. Michelle Geringer, who's joining us today on the other side of the couch, for those listening and can't see, um, what do you wish Drew included? (laughs) I I just blindsided you with that question. Interesting question. I think one of the comments that I made at pre-preach was, we should talk about community groups because, and I'm not sure if he's going to add that or not, but um, community uh, groups are. Yes, we do record this on Community Thursday. groups are where we do a lot of that caring for one another. So mm-hmm. obviously, the format of the early church is really different than the way that we have organized and structured our church here in the modern day. And so I think when we think about caring for one another, it's who who it has access to community groups? Are there people or groups of people in our church that struggle to maybe physically attend community groups? I know you do online groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are like some of the structures that we do to try to care for people that maybe can't show up at the building or don't have access um, and, and would therefore be overlooked. So who are the people who are vulnerable to being overlooked? And then how can we care for them and care for their needs? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that happens through community groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was just some, those are some of the things I was thinking about as Drew was was preaching. Yeah, I was talking to you before, and because my mind immediately went to you with you know, compassion and beyond, but then you were reminding me, hey, this text is really focusing on how we care for our own. You know, Much of your ministry is international or in the community out there reaching beyond. Beyond means beyond the walls of the church, so mm-hmm. what's the opposite of beyond? Inside, right? Yeah. We're talking here about how well we care for those you know, inside. Well, and I think if you like ask what I left on the table, I think just like being able to nuance both both stories. I would love to preach both stories individually because I think if you study the the widows, I think you could get a little bit to some of the things we do beyond our walls um, because we even talked about it at pre-preach that this was solving a problem that was in the community as well. Mm-hmm. And Michelle, you almost cast this vision to our staff. Again, a little bit of inside peek. Uh, we had an all-staff uh, lunch and you know, Michelle talked about one of our partners for Beyond that's we're going to be giving some information, more information on coming up for Home for the Holidays. Yep. And one of the things you, you cast is, man, 
the community, our world, should come to the church to solve problems. And we see that here in the early church where there was a problem in society that the, the early church had as well. They, they brought some systems to solve it and it affected the community as well. Yeah. And I, I would love to be able to nuance that in this message. Obviously, you, you, you can't always. Yeah, and I think that's what we're looking for, right? Like, where do we see... God transforming the way that we interact with one another. And then from our unity, like having yeah. Greeks and Jews being together, that was really, really challenging. And yeah. having that, having them not only get along, but having people um, begin to, to enjoy and celebrate each other's differences and care for one another, that unity brought transformation to their lives and then was attractive and attractional to other people to then want to come and join the church. Yeah. So you, that's where we saw priests started yep. joining the church in great numbers and people are being drawn to the Lord because they're seeing, whoa, something, something's going on over there that we're not able to solve. So what can we find yeah. from the church that we're not able to fix ourselves? Yeah, I think um, for me, one of the big questions over this whole series is we're kind of looking to the early church and say, why did this ragtag bunch take over the world, right? Mm-hmm. Why was it so contagious, so explosive? They, they go from being oppressed you know, by the Roman Empire to capturing the Roman Empire. And even the, the, you know, Acts moves from Jerusalem to Rome. It seems like, you know, Paul's got his sights set on the seat of power and yeah. just bringing the gospel. But why would it be so contagious? Why would it expand? I think these, this is a huge part of it. Look at what was happening inside the church and how counterculture it was. I love it when the church you know, solves problems in the community rather than creating problems with the community. We've done plenty of that, (laughs) too. We've done church badly. And there's, like, the fact that the gospel is transformational for the way that we see and view Jesus, for our future, for our forever, but it's also transformational for the ways that we live and interact with one another right now. And I think, Drew, you've done a great job of bringing that up multiple times the past couple of months. It's, It's all about... What, what will happen in the future, what that transformation looks like in the future, but also how we live that out and play that out in our day-to-day. Hmm. Um, and I think that this passage, especially the second story that you told, really kind of plays on that. Yeah, Seems like we're working in reverse here a little bit because we talked about, well, there's two stories that were addressed, Ananias and Sapphira and the problem uh, with the widows. Um, and... I love how it was unified, you know, both problems, both response was important, but both issues of selfishness, humility, really in the, few, in, the, in the first story before God and loving God. I love that you tied it to the great commandment, you know, there. And then the second story tied to the second commandment, to love, yeah. you know, to love others. We were talking a bit about, well, we can see why um, the church would be would grow or be attractive in that second story, right? Here's people who really love each other, really sacrifice for each other. And we see many stories in the early church about the ways people loved uh, one another. And But what about that first story? How does that help the church? It's, it's a very sobering story. It's yeah. a story of judgment. It's a story of holiness. It's a story of sin. And did that play a part in the church growing? Yeah, I I think if you look at both stories, I think you could say one was for the church, the insiders, Mm -hmm. and then one was for more for the outsiders. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the first story, I think the church, the people of God, the people who are committed to God, I think God sent them a message. Mm Mm-hmm take me seriously, Yeah. take sin seriously. Yeah. Um, how, how could you not, right? Right. Because I think we all would agree, well, 
we read that story and we're like, wow, I'm glad God doesn't do that to me. Because mm-hmm. I can look at times in my life where but, circumstances are different right. and he showed me grace. And I think you said it well, preach, Brad. I don't know exactly how you say it, but like 99 times out of 100, God gives us grace. But there's that one time where he pours out his wrath on sin. And we see that. And mm-hmm. you even see the response. The church felt fear. Yeah. Okay. And not like, not a, a, yes, a, I'm terrified of God fear, but also <clears throat> like a holy reverent fear of like, mm-hmm. we're talking about God. And mm-hmm. I think we forget that we make God this, God's my friend. And yes, he is your friend and God is on my side. Yes, he is. But he's also holy, yeah, perfect and hates sin. Yeah. And sometimes he's got to pour his wrath out on it. Yeah. I think C.S. Lewis has that line in Narnia that Aslan is not safe. Aslan represents Jesus yeah. you know, in the stories in the Chronicles of Narnia, but you know, he's wonderful, but he is not safe. And I think that's the message I receive there is, you know, and out of those hundred times, you know, 99 times out of a hundred, yes, he shows mercy, but a hundred times out of a hundred, he has a right you know, right. to, um, you know, to exercise his holiness, mm. you know, you know, and his judgment. But message received, you know, for me is just, um, I, I just don't take my sin seriously yeah. enough, you know? Well, oh, I think it's hard for us as humans to reconcile those two things, mm-hmm. gracious and wrath, right? These are, uh, they, they're opposites, but mm-hmm. they're opposites for us because we are sinful people. Mm-hmm. And so, God is not. And so the, I think that separates. For God, the distinction is clear. For us, it's muddied because we are filtrated with sin and we can't see clearly. Mm-hmm. God sees perfectly. And yeah. so we can't reconcile those two actions. God does easily. Mm-hmm. And I think grace can become misunderstood if there's mm. never, ever any punishment. It can look like affirmation and like, point. it's okay if yep. you do anything because I love you. Right. If there's never a time where God says, no, this is sin and I punish sin yeah. because I'm a just God. And, and if you do something against my people, then that is, you know, then that's something that's deserving of judgment. Um, and I think, I think that there's this story, um, I don't see a lot of people dropping dead from their sin in the modern day church that I'm noticing at church services <laughs> these days. I mean, <laughs> I don't know about you guys. Praise the Lord for that. Praise right? the Lord. We yeah. certainly have, we certainly do sin and do these kinds of sins where you're doing a good thing and then you're, you're like hiding a piece, you know? So th- there's definitely a piece of this where it's like, you're doing something that looks good, but actually mm-hmm. you're, li- you're lying or yeah. you're doing it for the wrong Seeming. reasons. Um, and I think that sin is just, it's like cancer. Like you were preaching on that mm-hmm. a couple of months ago, Brad. Yeah. Sin is like a cancer, and when it begins to grow, it metastasizes all over in all different spheres of our life. And like in First John, we have to continue to try to walk in the light. Yeah. We're not necessarily going to do it right every time, but when we do it wrong, we got to repent and get back on that light pathway. Because mm. if we're walking mm. in darkness, it just starts to take over. Mm. And I wonder if part of this is just God trying to protect that early church from yeah. sin yeah. entering in at these early, early stages that could have really broken it apart. Mm. Right. Yeah. I love so many good points in there, Michelle, that I love. Um, but yes, to be, I mean, sometimes I think Jesus is my friend. Of course he is. And we forget 
how nearly impossible that is, how amazing that is. How can a holy God be friends with a sinful yeah. you know, person like me? But just mm-hmm. to be reminded, mm-hmm. we're reminded of the sin, we're also reminded of the holiness, and we're reminded of the love yeah. that yeah. crosses such an incredible I like gap. that picture, too, that you said, Michelle, of you know, God as a father protecting his kids, right? And he sees maybe something that could seep in, and so he eliminates it. Right. And sometimes I I know this as a dad, I have to eliminate something from creating a bigger mess. And again, these are things that, you know, as humans, we can't see, but God can. Like if I allow this to hang around, it's going to get worse. And so I'm going to protect my people and I'm going to protect my church. And if you think about it, like if, yes, Ananias site, we're like, wow, they died. Wow, God. But do you realize that God gave up his one and only son for the church? Mm-hmm. So like, if you put that in comparison, it, it, it kind of like, okay, God cares dearly about this. And if he sacrificed his son, don't you think he's going to protect his church that his son had to die for? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I heard someone say once, if you don't think love and wrath coexist, you have not been a parent mm. because, and I think Tim Keller also says, I'm sure I've said it before, but. Um, wrath is a set, a determined set opposition or hatred for that which is destroying what we love or yeah. who we love. So the wrath is because there is something, I mean, we're pointed in a horrible direction or there's something bad coming. God, turn around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, we need something different. And does God throughout the Bible give us pictures of what's ultimately to come? It, it would be weird for God not to pour out his wrath at some point throughout scripture and then at the end of when he comes back to just throw wrath without us seeing pieces of it. Because mm-hmm. God's wrath is going to be poured out mm-hmm. at the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And I think he gives us pictures of why his wrath is poured out ultimately mm-hmm. because of his hatred for sin. Yeah. Drew, you had uh, sort of an application in there. You were talking about getting getting. Getting versus giving. Yeah. Yeah, getting versus giving. So why do we come to church? Do we come to church to get? Do we walk in the door to be served? Um, to, uh, you know, you know, get some good tips for life or have our kids taken care of or whatever? Or do we come to give? So um, I want to give you a chance to talk more about that. Yeah. And then I want to push back on it. Okay. Um, yeah, so... I- I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, gathering as the church and saying, man, I want to receive from the word of God, right? Mm -hmm. At some level, you do show up to get. Mm -hmm. Fundamentally, though, I think we've taken that too far, Mm -hmm. right? Where we think the church is for us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's inaccurate. I think the church is here for God's glory and God's purposes. Mm -hmm. And so some of his purpose... What, what's amazing is if you show up to church to give, you usually get. Mm-hmm. But if you show up to church to get, there's a lot of times you don't give. And so I believe if we walked in with the mentality of I'm going to give God what he deserves, his worship, his adoration, that's the purpose of me gathering to set that example, I will get in return. Mm-hmm. That's what the you, way God works. What do you hope to get out of church? Oh, I want to say, I just think the scientists have this right. So when you go to a scientific conference, you show up with your poster, your research, and then everybody else shows up with their poster or their presentation and their research. 
Everyone shares, everyone learns. And when we talked last week about spiritual gifts, God gives the church, everyone in the church, these different gifts, Mm -hmm. and we all show up and bring our gifts, Mm -hmm. and everybody gives a little bit of it, everybody receives a little bit. You receive maybe a message or a teaching, you receive the worship, maybe you're you're giving by preparing the coffee, maybe you're giving by being on the worship team, but you're, Mm -hmm. you're a part of this back and forth situation. Mm -hmm. And that happens on Sunday morning when we gather. It also happens at community group when we gather and somebody's encouraging you and you're just like, they have the gift of encouragement because I feel, I'm feeling God refresh me Mm -hmm. through their words. And Mm -hmm. I haven't felt refreshed all day. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, I I felt refreshed yesterday, but then I got dry again. And then God sent me somebody from my group to just, to just Mm -hmm. bring me back, you know, and just maybe I'll need it again tomorrow, but the church is still going to be there for me. So I can go back to that. I can text them and say, give me a word. I need something today. Do you got a verse? Do you have a song? Like, what can you give me? Because I need to receive and I need to give. Mm -hmm. So I think the scientists just have a handle on this (laughs) that we, that we can, you know, that we can use for the church. Yeah. I love you really well illustrated. What Drew said is like when it's a giving fest, everyone's Mm -hmm. coming to give, then there's plenty that people. I just think there's an imbalance in the church of Mm -hmm. getting, like Mm -hmm. we live in a consumeristic culture. And so we constantly are thinking like, Oh, what can that give me? How can that make my life better? How can that? And I just think that's the opposite mentality of what Jesus had, Mm -hmm. right? He gave his life. And so when we give, when we come in with that foundation, we get way more. Mm-hmm. But when we come with get, it's so narrowed that I think we miss out on so much. Yeah, and, and we've also looked to each other to get from each other yeah. or to get from this corporate entity of mm-hmm. this individual church versus saying in a posture of humility together, God, what can you give to What do you have for yep. us? So mm-hmm. we're looking to each other instead of looking to what God has for mm-hmm. us. Yep. And I see a lot of, I mean, when you do have that focus, which time to time I have on, yeah, on, we all do. on me getting, you know, it turns me into a very critical person, mm-hmm. you know, a very cynical person, you know, very, you know, it's just sus- suspecting the motives of others, whatever, you know, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's so much sweeter, you know, to be in a place, you know, of, of giving. And again, knowing that we're just paying forward, you yeah. know, what he's, he's done for us. So, um, any other thoughts on, um, getting versus giving. I love that. I think the one thing that was occurring to me when I was thinking about that was, because we do come to church to get, but we probably, we focus on the wrong things we want to get. I think Um, that's a good question. Do we come to church to get? That's, that's, that was my sense of pushback, which I thought you actually diffused very well when you started to answer the question, because you said, of course we come to get, you know, from the word and stuff. Cause I'm not sure the purpose is to get though. So when Isaiah stepped in, Isaiah 6, and Isaiah steps into the temple, did he come to get? Did he get something? Yeah, I'm not saying you don't get something. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between getting something and the purpose of something, Mm -hmm. right? You can have a purpose of something and have other other things that, that happen outside of that purpose. I think the fundamental purpose of the church is to worship and give God glory. And out of that... I will get. Mm-hmm. When I give God what he is due, mm-hmm. I'm going to receive. Anytime right? you're it, in the it, presence it, of, you're getting close to the presence of God with mm-hmm. other believers. I just don't believe the purpose is to get. Sure. I think the purpose is to glorify God. And mm-hmm. out of that, I mm-hmm. will get 
all that I need. It's right. where your eyes are facing. It's not yes. what we're doing. What the what is very similar. It's just are you focusing on what am I receiving? Or are you focusing on mm-hmm. on God? The reason we're together. And I think it's also a rear view mirror, right? We're celebrating what we've already gotten. We don't come to get because oh, like we already that. have, mm-hmm. right? We mm-hmm. already have been made part of the family of God. We've already been forgiven. Yes. Now maybe for like someone who is outside of the church, someone who doesn't know Christ, maybe they do come to church to get. Mm-hmm. Right, they're coming to get hope, life, you know, all these things. But I think and as, we meet them where they are, right? I yes, mean, we meet them in. exactly where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I think is outside of the purpose of the church because the mm-hmm. church is children of God, and so right. they've already gotten all that they need right. through Christ. Yeah, excellent. Well, listen, I know you got a couple more weeks. So if here in the Acts of the Apostles, I'm. I said it again. It's because the book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles. Yeah. So we did kind of like switch it on you. So I, I've heard an Acts al- of the Church. Acts, and I've heard an alternate title okay. for Acts, which is Acts of the Holy Spirit. I like that one too. Hey, but anyway. aren't you glad that God didn't strike you down? Yeah, <laughs> oh, I've made so many mistakes. <laughs> I'm up, up 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 to 99. I don't want to hit that hundredth right. mistake where I get struck down. But uh, listen, we are so glad you're here for. Acts of the Church, Acts of the Church, five weeks down, three weeks to go. Drew, I know you got a couple more weeks to share. Really looking forward to where this series is going. Thanks, Michelle, for your contributions. Please come back next week.